0: Turn in your Bible to the book of Jude, the book of Jude. We'll start there, but we won't stay there, and we won't end up there. We're just going to start there. There's a couple statements that I want to share with you. The Bible tells us that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And then he tells us in the book of Colossians, As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him and you were saved by faith, we're to walk by faith. There is a body of truth that God has given to us that we consider it to be the faith. It's the basic teachings of what God's Word says. We are to believe so that we can do the thing God wants us to do. Whatever the faith is, it's what saves us, and it's what leads and guides us and protects us. It tells us what our responsibilities are, tells us how to live. So here in the book of Jude, in verse 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So the faith that was delivered to the saints is the faith, I believe, that first of all, brought us to faith. We trusted Christ as our Savior, that body of truth that we heard. When it says, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, there's got to be a body of truth that you heard in order to produce the faith, the confidence in what God's Word has to say. And then there's verses that tells us not only about salvation, but how to serve the Lord. So we often break it down, and there are salvation verses, and there's service verses. And so as we study the scripture, we always like to try to keep them separate, lest somebody thinks you have to serve in order to be saved. And we want people to know that once the gospel has been presented and a person has accepted it, we don't try to keep leading them to the Lord. We want them to grow in the Lord. So he makes a statement here that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered, unto the saints, because, and here's the reason, because you once believed the truth doesn't mean you're going to stay in that body of truth, because there are false teachers. As he says in verse 4, for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the, the grace of God into something called a license to sin, as he says here, into lasciviousness. The freedom to just live any way you want to and call it grace. And that's not what grace is. True grace causes us to discipline our life. I preached a sermon when I first came here on how that grace, the motivating power of God... I think I'm to take and bring it again one of these days. But it says here that turning the grace of God into something where people deny the very God that saved them. Now, take your Bible and turn over there to the, the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And verse 15 tells us something that's important about the Word of God. As you'll notice, I a lot of time will go to these scriptures because of the importance of what they, they say. And it goes with what I want to talk about tonight. So, in verse 15, where he says, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise, one under salvation. Then it says, To make you a man of God. So the scriptures are able to do that. So this body of truth, this that we have that gives us our faith, God said, I want you to maintain this faith, contend for this faith, because there's others that will not stay clear on the gospel. And there's some that won't stay clear on the purpose of the Christian life. And that's what confuses people. They don't know if they're having to serve to be saved or They just don't get it, so they get confused. Then he makes a statement in verse 16, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. So that's what God wants, to produce something. From a child into a man of God. Takes the Word of God. Now, turn in your your Bible to the book of... um, 1 Timothy. First Timothy in chapter 1. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, I want you to notice not only how many times the word faith is mentioned, but how it's used. See, faithfulness is because you're true to the faith. You can be faithful in a lot of things. A lot of people are faithful to go to work, they pay their bills, they're faithful in a lot of ways, but not faithful to the faith. So it says here in uh, verse 4 of chapter 1, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions, because there's a lot of things that just gender strife, doesn't solve anything, it just creates more problems and causes more arguments on things that you can't solve. And you can dwell on many things, but then the time that you spend doing those useless things takes away the time that you need to be doing important things. You see, the devil wants to get us into little minor things. trying to make a mountain out of a molehill. Major on the major. And as you notice here, In verse 4, which minister questions rather than godly edifying. See, I can do both. I can get involved in a lot of things. I can even get involved in all the issues that are going on in the government. And buddy, there's a multitude of problems, but I don't believe that I'm going to be able to solve any of them. I have a position on everything. as at times you find that out. But doing all of that is not going to help me contend for the faith, like I believe that I should. Though at times I like to do a little warning, and I will do so. But now notice this. Rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. But the word faith is a body of truth. It's something that we're to believe. There's other things that has nothing to do with that which a Christian is to do, so it's nothing about what a Christian needs to believe. You have to learn discernment from the Word of God in living life and making decisions about what is right and what is not. Look in verse 5. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart, and of a good conscience, and of faith unfeigned. In other words, faith that is fidelity. In other words, it's pure, it's pure, it's accurate. That's why he talked about in 2 Timothy 2, that you may study the Word of God, that you may rightly divide, it means accurately, purely, be able to discern the Word of God and break it apart. And know what this is talking about, know what this is talking about. Without everything running all together, it's like getting a, a piece of steak and with a real sharp knife, you can make a swift stroke and separate. Some people just get a dull knife, and all they do is just hack and beat the meat to death. Well, God's talking about a swift stroke, rightly divide, truthfully dividing, understanding, discerning what it's saying. So you'll notice as you go through here, look there in verse 12. When a man knows the faith, that body of truth that he is to know, then he's to be faithful to it. And our faithfulness to God is going to be, were you faithful to the doctrine that's taught in the Word of God? This is why it's so important for a child of God to learn the word of God, because that is what is going to help you to stay faithful for the rest of your life. So he says in verse 12, "And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me for that He counted me and you are not faithful." It means he was faithful to do what he was told to do. And because he was faithful, God put him into the ministry. He didn't put him into the ministry and hope he'll be faithful. You put him into the ministry because you are faithful. Look what he says there in verse 13. Verse 13 says, Who was before a blasphemer and persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in this word unbelief. It means because you did not believe. You didn't know the truth. You didn't know the faith. You didn't know what to believe. You did it because you didn't believe in the truth. Unbelief, you didn't know and believe the truth. But once he heard the truth and believed the truth, Paul became a faithful man. Look at this other verse. In verse 14 where he says, And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant get this, with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. So as you grow in the Lord and your faith is in the Lord and your love is in the Lord and you allow His love, and remember this, when Christ came into the world, everything He did was because of faith. He totally, 100%, trusted His Heavenly Father. And He says that all the things that He did He did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. And he did all that he did by the Holy Spirit. Christ is the greatest example of faithfulness that there is. And so his love and his faith is where we're supposed to get our faith and our love from the Lord. Now know what he says in verse 15. It's the word faithful But this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. It means it's worthy for everybody to accept. As he says right here, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. I'm the chief. And if he can save the chief, he can save all the Indians. So there's sometimes people who say, God can't save me. I'm just too bad. Show them this verse. And Paul even states the reason. As he says in verse 16, "Howbeit for this cause, I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long-suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on Him to life everlasting. Isn't it nice to know that God is able to use you as an illustration? If God can save you with what you went through, your story that you tell, your testimony, that God uses that in the lives of other people? There's a lot of people on planet Earth that are just like you. And that's why a personal testimony is so powerful. Not everybody is going to relate to everything you say. There are some people that I will be able to reach because of the way that I am. But there's also going to be some people that I'm going to turn off because of the way that I am. There are some people that will be listening to you because of the way you are. Because of your testimony. Because of... What God's done for you. Every one of us is an example of the believer. And because God has allowed certain things to happen in our life, it's so that, as He says also in 2 Corinthians in chapter 1, that we might be able to comfort others with the comfort wherewith we have been comforted. Well, that's good for the Christian life and all the problems you go through, but also your salvation story. You see, everyone has a story to tell. If you've been saved, you've got a story to tell. You always tell what you thought, what you found out, and what you did. So now look there in verse 19. Verse 19 says, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck." Now this is talking to the believers, not talking to the lost people. Because, you see, you must maintain the faith that you have. You see, just because you believe the truth today, and you know where you stand today, did you know you can stop coming to church, get out of the Bible, stop meeting with other Christians, and it won't be long before you won't know what to believe. You can begin to question and doubt everything. And you can start going to other churches and things that you knew that was wrong today, You can accept with open arms tomorrow. You must maintain your confidence and faith in what God's Word says. And because some people did not do that, then it says their faith, see there, they have made shipwreck. And if you shipwreck your faith, your life becomes a shipwreck. You break apart upon the rocks. See, the ship was made for being out there in the deep waters. But when you hover too close to the land, which is a type of the flesh, and the water type of the faith, and you're out there trusting God, but because you don't get sure anymore, you want to hover close to the land just in case. But just in case causes you to shipwreck upon the rocks. And you wreck your whole life. It didn't have to be that way. But that's what happens. Look there in chapter 2 and verse 15, concerning even the women. And there's a lot of verses in the Bible that talks about women. But it says in verse 15, notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing, if they continue in faith with charity and holiness with sobriety. You see, in verse, the right before that, Adam was not deceived. He knew exactly what he was doing. It was Eve that was deceived. And because of that, she lost that so-called 50-50, you know, I'm also boss. No, you're not, you're not boss. You can claim to be boss and take the position of being boss, but it's only if you're rebellion to the Lord. But the husband is not supposed to rule with a rod of iron. He's supposed to be a loving, kind, gentle type of an individual. And he's supposed to love his wife and so forth, and it works whenever everybody works. But Eve, because of her disobedience, her lack of faith, says she shall be saved in childbearing. So that's why in Timothy you have much scripture, but it's talking to the guys in positions of leadership and so forth. The men are supposed to rule. I believe that men should run their home, and I believe that men should run the church, and I believe that men ought to run government. You say, well, I don't like that. I don't care. I still believe the book. Now, if I don't know the Bible, then I'll just take it. If, if I, either I go by it or take the thing and throw it in the trash. Everybody just do whatever they want to do. But you have a pastor to believe what this book says. I wish I understood it even better. I may get to heaven and find out, Yankee, that's not what I meant. All right, when I get to heaven. But I'm not there yet. But get what he says. If they continue in faith. See, the woman has that wonderful, blessed privilege of raising the children. And because she has children, God said, you can teach the children. Did you know that if every mother reached the children, everybody in America and the world would be saved? If every mother reached their children, taught their children the truth, the faith, It would win the world. So do the women have a great opportunity? Yes, they do. You see, men are supposed to provide, and the women are supposed to look over that little flock that she has and minister to those children. And so to see that those kids come to know Christ as their Savior at an early age, sure, the man can do it. But also the woman is the one who usually spends most of the time with the children to teach and to raise those kids. So she is able to take all that she knows and place that into those kids. Because one day, see, those children, they're going to be the leaders. They're going to have their own families. They're going to be running churches. They're going to be in government. And a mother is able to change the world. But today most mothers are killing their babies. Can you imagine that? And the womb should be the safest place on the planet, and it's become one of the worst places to be. But even the women are supposed to know the faith, know the truth, and to teach it. Uh, look at another scripture. I' look down here in verse 11 of chapter three. Even so must their wives be grave. You say, mine's grave, all right. She's already put in one. No, I'm not talking about that. But to be serious-minded, not slender, sober, faithful in how many things? Women are to be faithful in everything. Did you know most of the men could not do what they do if they didn't have a faithful wife? You've got to have a faithful wife. I would hate to think how little I would be able to accomplish if I didn't have a faithful wife. But see, I don't have to worry about my wife. I don't have to try to get her to come to church. I don't have to try to beg her to go to Sunday school. Beg her to come on Wednesday night. She does it because she, she, just, she does it. I, in All these years, I've never had to worry about that. She is just, she's just faithful. She knew truth before I knew truth. There was a body of truth that she knew and understood. Why? Because she got it from her mama and her daddy that also taught her some of these things. We'd sit in church and they'd sing songs and she'd just right there just singing every one of them. I haven't even heard these. All I ever heard was, you know, some Johnny Cash song or something that my daddy sung. I didn't go to church. And so I was as hillbilly as they come. I really had a lot of work to do. And knowing the Bible... He would take turn here, and I couldn't, I didn't even know, where, I didn't know there were books in the Bible. And I couldn't stand it, because I couldn't stand it. My wife knows so much more than me. Is it possible for a wife to know more than her husband? Yes. And woman, can a woman be godly? Yes, a woman can be godly. A woman can know just as much as the man. In some cases, they do. And know more than the man. So therefore, she ought to be the leader. No. She still has to submit herself to her husband. And with wisdom, try to help him all that she can. He's the head. Yes, as they say, but she's the neck that turns the head. I know. Now, it says here, faithful in all things. Look down there in verse 13. For they that have used the office of a deacon well, purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith. Whatever the faith is, you'll find it mentioned all the way through the book of Timothy. Because he's telling young Timothy, you need to stand for the faith. This body of truth that's been given to you, what's been passed on to you. Paul said it was given to me, and I've been faithful. And then he says, I'm uh, fixing to close out my time here on earth. Now it's your turn. And so it's like giving him a charge. When you read chapter 4 of the Second Timothy, it talks about a charge. And generally, when people are going to be ordained into the ministry, uh, those are the scriptures that they usually read when someone's going to be ordained as a a pastor or something. Now, in chapter 4, look there in verse 1. In verse 1 of chapter 4, he says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some, not all, some shall depart from the faith. Do I expect all the people at Calvary Community Church will always be rock solid. No. Some will not be. Some will not maintain. Some will begin, they'll miss on Sunday night, or they'll start missing on Wednesday night, or they'll start missing Sunday school, and they start missing church, and they come every once in a while. It won't be long. They won't be going anywhere at all. Why? Because, see, the devil starts putting questions and doubts into your mind. You know, I done paid my dues. I know the Bible. I know everything the preacher's going to say anyway. So, therefore, you don't maintain. You still, see, it's one thing to have all these nice big superhighways that they put in. But you know, we're not doing those roads anymore. But they were done years ago, back in the 60s and so forth. And they put roads everywhere, these superhighways. I'm glad they did that. I really am. But you have to maintain the roads. The Bible talks about in the book of Titus about maintaining good works because these are good and profitable unto men. Maintain. Now, whatever you know, maintain that. Don't change, don't stop, keep learning. Always stay at it. Always stay at it. He says, some have departed from the faith. And how do they do that? They begin to give heed, credibility, the teachings that's not sound. And little by little they begin to change. So look down in verse 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things. See, it's something you knew, but you have to help people to remember over and over and over again. Have you noticed, as long as i have been here, I always try to in every service teach you a little bit of something new, but also review a little bit of something old. Because though you may know a lot of things, but after a while, i got to tell you that again. You know, since I've been here, I think I've preached on then-came-Emelech like 3 times. The two natures like this, I've done that about four times. See, I write down every sermon that I preach on the calendar. I have every sermon that I preach. Ain't that right, James? Right. Every service, every time I speak, I have wrote down. Now, I can't remember what I teach, <laughs> but I write <laughs> it down. And you can ask me when the service is over, what did you speak on? I haven't got a clue. Because I don't try to remember what I preach. See, if you tell the truth, you never have to remember what you said. If you teach a lie, you better remember that lie. Because the next time you talk, you will going have to take back that lie up. But if you tell the truth, you don't have to ever remember. That's so much easier as you grow. Because because that way I don't have to cloud up my mind with all stuff that I don't have to worry about. Just just tell the truth. So he says here in verse 6, Thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of sound doctrine. You see, the people can't generally be much stronger spiritually than what the preacher is if they only depend upon the preacher for their food. If you only depend upon me for all of your spiritual food, you can't rise much higher than what the preacher does because of what he's feeding you. But you can go beyond that if you'll learn to feed yourself. Have devotion. Have some time that you spend between you and the Lord, and you can grow as strong as you want to be, and nobody can stop you. There ought to be a time in your life where you have a precious time between you and the Lord, and you spend time with God. So he says here, nourished up in the words of faith, words that help you to believe. If you feed your faith, your doubts will starve to death. But if you feed your doubts, your faith will starve to death. It all depends on which one you feed. Sunday morning, I'm feeding your faith. Church service, Sunday morning, Sunday night, when, I'm feeding your faith. If you'll keep feeding your faith, your doubts will starve to death. But you see, when you don't get fed right, you don't eat right, and don't believe right, you're going to have questions and doubts, and fears are going to take over. Questions and doubts, insecurity. Next thing you know, you might say, well, I've been studying the Bible for years, and yet you're falling apart over something that's happening in your life. God says it will happen. Whenever you don't maintain the faith, you're going to have shipwreck. Uh, look there in verse 12. He says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in faith, in purity. So you see, every person is to grow strong in the Lord. And he says, Timothy, even though you're a young man, don't let people despise just because you're young doesn't mean you have to be stupid. Just because you're young don't have to mean you're a fool. Just because you're young, you can still be wise. And you can be strong. And you can feed others. And if you'll do that, you'll save yourself and those that hear you. And that's what he mentions down in verse 16 where he says, Take heed unto thyself. And unto the doctrine continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself from what? Well, that seducing spirits and doctrines of devils mentioned in verse 1. Because if you don't keep yourself from believing the error, you can't keep the people from believing the error. And if you don't care about the people, then you won't care about yourself. And that's why people have to understand this. Uh, now, look in chapter 5 and look in verse 12 where it says, having damnation, because they have cast off their first faith. That's a choice. That's willingly. It means a deliberate decision. Not that they were seduced, but a deliberate decision to walk away from that which they know to be truth. And people will do that. And then in verse 13, and withal, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but Paddlers also in busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. Now, blessed be God, I wonder who this is talking about. Oh, look in verse 11. The younger widows. Hmm. Look there in verse um, 14. I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, run the nation, run the church. No, it didn't say all that. But it does say to guide the home. Because they're going to bear the children. They're to raise the children. See, isn't it something that God's word explains how we're supposed to live? You see, God made man and a woman, and he's the one that created this idea about children. And you know, he just happens to have a, a word on everything. And everything that God says will work God's way. But people have got to, they, they don't believe this book. And look how they're doing. How's it going? Not very good. Now take and look there in chapter 6. Chapter 6, look down in verse 10. Verse 10 says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. And it says, while some coveted after, they have erred from the what? Erred from the faith. Because then their life becomes one of consumed with how to make money. Because if I can make money, I can get this and this and this and this. God says, if you'll just maintain the faith and do right, God will give you what you need. But you see, making money should not be the main thing. The main thing is maintaining your faith in God and trusting the Lord. Did you know that you can get an awful lot by prayer? Because the prayer of a what kind of man? Righteous man. Not the prayer of a covetous man, but the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So then you've got a choice to make. Now look in verse 12. Fight. Fight the good fight of faith. So it means that This faith is something that helps you to fight. The reason you believe something that's truth is because there is a battle going on. There's a fight going on. There's a war going on. So you fight the fight that faith prepares you for. And that's why some people are able to fight the devil and win. Fight the lust of the flesh and win. Fight temptation and win. And then there's others Who never win they're at the mercy of whatever temptation comes along the latest trial just tears them apart and they can't handle it the Bible says God is faithful and will not allow you to be tempted above that which you're able but will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it do you have faith that what that says is true And do you believe that if God says there's a problem, there's a way through the problem? God's Word says so. Or do you really believe, Romans 8, my favorite verse, until everything goes wrong? All things work to good for those who love the Lord, and I love the Lord, and then everything goes wrong. Well, evidently, He doesn't love me. You have a lot of questions and doubts. the good fight of faith. Now, as you go through here and you study this, there's some things that really would help you to understand that God is concerned about our life. And what helps us in our life is the faith that we have in what God's word has to say. So look there in verse 21. Verse 21, where he says, Which some professing have erred concerning the faith. In other words, believing something that is not true. And it goes back to verse 20 when he talks about science falsely so-called. Believing things that are not true. Sounds good, it's just not true. Listen, there's a lot of things on the internet today, and people can send you all kind of things. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you read. There are shysters out there, and there's a conspiracy theory on everything. Now, there could be an awful lot of it. Just watch, you don't get caught up. In. You have something that's real, and you know it's the truth. Don't forsake this for whatever they offer in the world. It'll help your mind to stay clear. You just stay on track. You have something to live for, and you have this body of truth that God has committed to you. Therefore, contend for the faith that's been once delivered unto the saints, because we're the ones that must pass it on to the next generation. Look up here. This hand represents you and me, and the wall represents sin. We all have sin on us. The Bible says that God loves us. He hates our sin, but he loves us. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in hell. But God says he wants us to go to heaven, and to go to heaven we have to be perfect, just as righteous as God, and none of us are righteous. None of us are good enough. We've all come short of God's perfection. So the Bible says we need a Savior, and we can't save ourselves. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because He loves us, hates our sin because it separates us from Him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, well, He didn't have to die. So He took our sins, paid for them on the cross, came back from the dead, and said if we would believe it, He would give us as a free gift everlasting life. See, when Christ came into the world, the Bible says that Christ is the righteousness of God. So Christ is righteous. He's righteous. He has no sin. But He takes our sin upon Himself and pays for it. And when He pays for all of our sins, that still doesn't get us to heaven. We only go to heaven because we believe He did it for us. And when you believe, then the Bible says, His righteousness is imputed to your account. If we believe... Romans chapter 4. So if we believe, he gives us his righteousness. And if God gives me his righteousness, that's good enough to go to heaven on. And the Bible says that we should not be found having our own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, when I believe in him. So I would have his righteousness. That's a by-faith righteousness. And I go to heaven on the righteousness that God gives to me. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here tonight or if you're watching by internet, we always seek to try to make the gospel clear and simple. We want to teach as much as we can from the word of God as truthfully as we can. But if you're watching, I want you to understand that there's nothing that you have to do to be saved except except the payment Christ made on the cross for you. If you will believe that He did it for you, God said He would save you and give you the free gift of everlasting life. If you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you just simply the best you know how say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I believe Christ died and paid for my sins, and I'm going to trust Him right now. as my only hope of going to heaven. And friend, God said if you trust Him, He would save you, give you eternal life, and you get to go to heaven on what Christ did for you. So in the quietness of this moment, no one looking around, is there anyone at all say, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior tonight? And preach, I'd like you to pray for me. Would you just slip in it very quickly and let it wrap it down? Is there anyone at all? If you're watching by internet, I pray that you would right now trust Christ as your Savior. And if you do trust Him right now, God saves you right now, gives you eternal life right now. You become God's child right now. Father, we thank you so much for this time together. Bless each one for being here. I pray, Lord, that we are a blessing to those that are listening. In Christ, and we pray. Amen.